Now more than ever, the industry that fuels the world needs the right people to modernize and unify a global energy platform. The transformation is both digital and cultural. Join us as we explore strategies for success in the hyper-competitive war for talent here on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, hosted by the IBM North American Oil and Gas Team and KIT. Hello and welcome to Energy Workforce of Tomorrow, another episode sponsored by Ericsson. I have one of my colleagues with me today. Hello, Brian. Brian Woodward, how are you? Hey, Jason. How are you? Great to be on again today. I'm good. Hey, it's hump day and we've got a very special guest, an old friend of mine and someone that's going to blow us away today on leadership and journey and transition. I'd like to introduce you to Brian, to Gordon Treadgold. Gordon, good afternoon. Good afternoon. And how are you, gentlemen? I'm good. I told you he had a strange accent, Brian. <laughs> it's well, not as strange yeah. as mine, but he, I think, can you tell where he's from, Brian? He's, let's well, try the Texan out first of all. Where's he from? I got to say, I think I've been tricked onto this podcast, right? Because <laughs> when you told me Gordon Leadfoot was coming on, the famous, <laughs> the famous NASCAR driver, <laughs> the British voice shows up. No, in, in all seriousness, no, I think we have a great show today. Jason Gordon, why don't you share a little bit of background of yourself for our listeners? And then we can, you know, I think your background will play very well into a very relevant topic to our listeners about what's happening in the marketplace and trying to transition. Cool. Yeah. So my name is Gordon Treadgold, and I spent 25 years working in IT, started as a programmer, worked the way through to designer, project manager, program manager, and then senior vice president for operational service delivery. So basically, if it doesn't work, call me. Managing a team <laughs> of a, a thousand people supporting 48,000 staff. And, you know, really successful at that, great on delivering projects and driving change. But in one of my reviews, my boss told me that my grading for the year was below average. And I said, how can that be? I've just saved you 350 million and we've increased operational performance by 50%. Service levels are 100% across the board. And he said, it's because your leadership sucks. And, <laughs> and, we, and we value leadership over results. <laughs> wow. So at that point, I decided this was no longer a company that I needed to be working for. And screw you, I'm going to go and become a leadership expert to show you who knows about leadership. So I went out of the office and that's what I proceeded to do. And now I've just picked up an award for one of the top 10 global gurus of leadership. I've written four books on the subject I've written for Inc., Forbes, Entrepreneur, dozens of magazines. I've been selected Leadership Development Consultant of the Year by one magazine in Europe. And that's pretty much where I ply my trade now. So a bit of a transformation. I still do IT service delivery, come in and do consulting. But I, I marry that with helping people become improve their leadership. So, Gordon, do you send this guy that told you you were terrible at leadership, do you send him emails every day and books every day just to remind him that he was wrong? I thought about doing that, but I thought, <laughs> screw you. <laughs> <laughs> 
I thought he would come back and say, see, I told you, you went to go and do it. And it also as well, it puts him, it gives him too much power over me and I didn't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I do mention him every now and again. I used to write articles and people used to say to me, I thought he was your worst boss, but you mentioned an American woman. And I said, whenever you see American woman, think German man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> protecting the innocent, right? Yeah. Protecting, protecting the guilty. <laughs> Just as long as they're not Scottish, you're okay. <laughs> Ryan, I told you we had a great guest on this. I mean, Gordon, you've done amazing. 500,000, I think, followers, Twitter, yeah. 50,000 LinkedIn. You're on it. I mean, yeah. How did you get there? I mean, Brian, sorry, maybe you've got the same question. And Yeah. I mean, I think while we were kind of preparing for this discussion, Gordon, I listened to some of your discussions on YouTube and I thought it was fascinating because you didn't just start with this sort of, you know, social presence and relevance. And I think you had to reinvent yourself a little bit, right? As part yeah. of this and talk about that, because I think our listeners, Jason, I mean, you know, our whole discussion is always around you know, what is happening with the workforce in the energy business. And as we all know, the energy business is transforming at a rate faster now than it ever has. And I think a lot of, you know, the listeners are probably thinking about how do I reinvent themselves? And I think your story is amazing there. Yeah. So I'll start with another interesting story. At the time I was doing this, my son was a professional musician. I wanted to start by writing a book, but I didn't know how to write a book. And I thought, I want to write on leadership, but I don't know what the plot is. How would I structure it? And I thought to myself, what I'll do is I'll just start by writing blogs. So I'll think of a chapter, goal setting, and I'll write a blog on that. And then once I've written enough blogs, I can have a look and see whether, you know, once I've got to 30, have I got enough material for a book? Can I structure it? Does it make sense? And then can I expand each of those little stories to do a blog, to do it, convert it into a book? And that's where I started. So one of the things I would tell people, start where you are with what you've got. So I was writing the blogs and I was getting like five, ten people reading them. My wife, my mother, my father, the cat, <laughs> and my three kids if they wanted their pocket money. And at the same time, my son, who was, a, he was studying music, wanted to be a professional musician. And I thought, hmm, he's going to need to learn and master social media, Twitter, Facebook, all of that stuff for him to get on. And I said to him, hey, why don't we dive in? And he was like, dad, step away from the keyboard. (laughs) This is a young man's game, young person's game. You're an old fart. Just leave it be. And I thought, okay, I'll do it anyway. I'll see if I can figure it out so that when he starts to build his following, he can do that. So I started sharing the blogs on Facebook and I got quite a few friends reading them. And then I started my own Facebook page. I thought, you know, and then I did a little bit of advertising on Facebook and within about three weeks I had 5,000 followers. So I started, I continued doing that. And at this point it was easy to boost your posts and I built about a 200,000 followership on Facebook And again, I was a little bit lucky with the circumstances because I've got some Egyptian colleagues and Tunisian colleagues. And at this time, they were going through the Arab Spring. So they were sharing them. And so I had this 100,000 Facebook follower 
70,000 in Egypt, you know, <laughs> 22 in the US. And somebody said to me, oh, you should focus on the US. I said, well, when you're building a following, the following gives you a degree of credibility. Nobody ever asks where those people are. And if when you're growing crops, if they're flourishing in one area, why would you go and try and grow them in an area where it's not growing as much. So I kept doing this, and I built up to about 250,000, predominantly Europe and Middle East. With Facebook, it was hard to get into North America at that time. And then I started with Twitter, which gave me a much bigger foothold, and I built a following of around 200,000 in Twitter. And the reason for doing the following is that, you know, when you're producing content, somebody's got to read it. If you just post it, out there and you don't have a following, you might get a few views, but you're not going to get a lot. So, you know, my journey to becoming a thought leader and recognized as an expert, there's two or three things we need, authority, credibility, and visibility. So the visibility comes by building your own audience and then sharing it as much as you can. Your authority, I bet you didn't know this, you might have done, but the first part of authority is author. 100%. Good point. Actually, I didn't even thought about that one. Sorry. I didn't spot that until I was writing authority and I was like, ooh, ooh, author. So the things we write, that's my authority, that's my knowledge, that's my experience and expertise. And we can all, we've all got expertise. And when we think about writing expertise, you know, I'm the number 10 leadership expert in the world. Is that true? Is it, Bookery? There's 10 people in Texas who are professors of leadership at universities that know more than I do, but they're not putting the content out. How did you know where you were going to go with this? So you and I have known each other for a I long didn't. time. I was I going to say, how did, you, how did you know the path? I mean, how far ahead did you know that? And how did you know which direction you were going? One of the things you asked me to mention before we started in the green room was, when it was clear to me that my future in that company that shan't be named. <laughs> I know that one. Yeah. And I was looking for other work and people said to me, you'll have to Google yourself. And when I Googled myself, <laughs> I saw the tumbleweed. So, <laughs> so, and I don't think I've shared this with you before, but I am actually the only Gordon Treadgold in the world. So when I say there was only tumbleweed, there was literally only tumbleweed. I thought, I need to fill this with stuff that's going to impress recruiters. So I'll post, all, I'll write all of my leadership blogs about, you know, you've got to be engaging people, driving results. So some of it was kind of like a sales pitch, but I wanted to do it in a way that, you know, looked like I knew what I was talking about. And that's how I kind of started. But then as the audience started, you know, I didn't expect at the end of three weeks to have 10,000 followers on Facebook. So I was just, and I was writing an article every single day. I was banging one out every single day. And I often do webinars for other people that want to become thought leaders or content producers. And I talk to them about the content creation process. And I talk to them about, you know, you've got to know who your target audience is, who are you writing for. I am not writing for those 10 professors in Texas because I have a following of 10. And I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write to my 30-year-old self. That's interesting. Before 
I'd, when I was doing team leading, but I hadn't made that breakthrough into leading teams of 20 and 30. And I'm going to write and I'm going to tell myself all the things that I know now that I wish I knew then. But that forces me to explain it in a way that I would understand it not knowing it back then. So it made me write things in a kind of a simple, concise, and step-by-step format. What I've realized or thought was that, you know, my 30-year-old self is a very common person, somebody who's been in work for five to seven years and who wants to make that step up from junior management into senior management. And those are the people who would like to hear from somebody who's met that up to senior vice president, but wants it boiling down to them in simple, easy-to-follow steps. I wonder, Brian, I guess my worry in this, a lot of us need to transition, as you said, in the industry. And there's a big, it's a bit of a scary moment, right? We Mm -hmm. need to, and the bit that worries me about Gordon's, Brian, on this one was you didn't know where the end was. I mean, that's quite a difficult one because usually we'd all know, right? Sorry, Brian. No, no, I think you're on the same thought process that I am, Jason. I mean, you know, Gordon, when I listen to your story, right, you have developed, I think, your leadership skills through the journey, right, and your ability to advise people there. And maybe it's not a matter of what the topic is. I mean, you know, to bring it back to our industry, you know, maybe I'm a, you know, a geoscientist in the upstream industry right now, but I want to get, you know, myself maybe into the hydrogen production, you know, side of the business, which is an adjacent, you know, developing area and new energy. I think oftentimes people have more experience and more to offer from say their pedigree and their background. And it's, you have to be inquisitive. You have to drive yourself to learn. And as you learn, you share with others. And then I think it evolves, Gordon. I mean, it sounds like that's kind of how it evolved for you. Would would you agree? To some extent, yeah. And I would say I was leading a team of a thousand people successfully, so I knew how to lead. But actually, it takes more expertise to explain what you know than it does to know it. Because you've got to be able to explain it to somebody who doesn't have your background. So through, you know, I would tell anybody, if you want to learn something, go and teach it. And me teaching it has made me think about, okay, so I did this and it worked. Why did it work? You know, and we we were talking about, you know, the fact that I've written three books. So my first book was Leadership, It's a Marathon, Not a Sprint. At the time I was writing the book, I was running, training to do a marathon. And I thought, ooh, I'm doing everything the same. I'm setting goals, I'm prepping. And I thought, right, Leadership, It's a Marathon, Not a Sprint. 26 chapters, one for every mile. People said, why don't you do it in kilometers? 26 (laughs) chapters, not 42. Smart man. And, you know, leadership principle, and then how I used it to get myself to run a marathon. But the second book, the third book I wrote, Fast, which was uh, Finalist in Management Book of the Year, and I don't know if I told you this, Jason, I didn't win Management Book of the Year. But I knocked Alex Ferguson out in the heats, the manager of Manchester United. And for me, that's better than winning. I was about to say that. Leeds won, Manchester nil. Brian, just going back to it, there's some fighting talk right there, I think, if you, if you know where Gordon's coming from. He's sold more copies than me, but it doesn't matter. My book's better, clearly. I've got a signed copy. 
<laughs> and fast, I was a turnaround expert, and it got me thinking about, do I have a process that I follow that subconsciously, that if I could make myself conscious of it, could I then teach it to other people? So I went back and I looked at the projects, and again, when people are, and I would encourage people to write and blog as much as they can, and I tried to write as simple as possible. And what I found was that there were two things I did as a turnaround expert, and these are going to blow you away with their simplicity. I found out what was wrong, and then I fixed it. (laughs) That's my two-step Pretty simple. (laughs) Yeah, and then I asked myself, are the common things that go wrong that I look for? And I realized that there were four things. There was a lack of focus. Things failed because people didn't know what the goal and objective was. And it wasn't commonly known and shared. There was a lack of accountability. So that's about the what. There was a lack of accountability. The people involved hadn't been told they were involved or what their expectation was. And then there was a lack of simplicity. You know, we overcomplicate things all the time. So, you know, if we can simplify it. And then the last one was transparency about where are we and where do we need to get to? And do we know what's involved? And I was talking to them today about, you know, I'm currently training to do a marathon. And they said, I can't run a marathon. I said, it's not about running a marathon. It's about spending six months prepping. If you don't have the time to do the prep. Forget the race, yeah. You you can kiss the marathon goodbye. But it was by going through that and writing that and thinking about it and understanding my own processes that I was able to write that book. So now I'm always, you know, and I called it fast, focus, accountability, simplicity, transparency. Do we have clarity on the goal and objective? Have we let the people who are involved know? Have we given them everything they need? Have we kept it simple? Because people are not afraid of hard work. They're afraid of failure. So if we can show them how they're going to be successful, boom, engaged, and they'll go and be successful, and then the transparency. So I think when you were talking about people wanting to switch gears and maybe moving from one part of geology into another you have to kind of step back and ask yourself what is it that you really know and you've probably got a great understanding of you know maybe problem solving but you've just applied it to this one aspect here and if you were to now apply it to something else you've just increased your skill set i get turned down for lots of jobs because i don't have essay i don't have in-depth SAP experience, but I've delivered 10 SAP systems. I couldn't pick SAP out of a lineup with JDE and Oracle, but I've delivered it. And a lot of time people get bogged down into specific niches of expertise, of knowledge or tools knowledge. But it's actually our broader knowledge that allows us to move from one area to another. I'm great at problem management. I'm great at leading people. I'm currently leading a program in a packaging business. Never worked in packaging. I did a project at Fujitsu, and I was invited to go to Japan. I ran the largest Azure migration in Europe, and I was asked to go to Japan and talk about what I knew about Azure. And I said, I don't need to go to Japan to do that. I can put it on a postcard. Nothing. (laughs) I wouldn't know as sure if it fell out of the sky and hit me. 
But what I did when I ran that program, I made sure we were focused on the right things. I made sure the people that had the knowledge, had the tools and understood the expectation. I got them to explain to me simply how it was going to work. So then I knew how I could help them and they could see how they were going to do it. And then we got some transparency into what we needed to do. And boom, that project was delivered. Nothing to do with Azure. You know, Gordon, just your clients now, just on the back of that, what are the clients looking for when they contract Gordon Treadgold? Is it purely leadership? Is it change? Is it a mixture of things? Well, so I went, I nearly got a job with one client at Stansted Airport. Stansted Airport, they said, we'd like you to come in. I was like, okay, we can do some leadership training, but don't call it leadership. The wrong questions that you'll get right, that will get you the diploma, but that won't make you a better leader. It's about driving that and I feel now that I, mean, I figured out how to become a thought leader. And as you said, I didn't know where I was. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to get recognized for leadership, but you know, from a position of applying for a job. If at any point you just said to me, set yourself a goal, I would have reminded you of a couple of things. First of all, I'm English. And then it's celebrate. Celebrate your progress and then just keep going. Persistence is a talent multiplier. I would aim higher, start where I am with what I've got, and then just keep building up for it. So, Brian, I'm sitting with a list in front of me. Gary Vaynerchuk from the US, (laughs) the entrepreneur, LeBron James, Leonardo DiCaprio, Mo Farah, Gordon Treadgold. How on (laughs) earth did you get on the incredible personal branding sort of titles? And how does that feel? I mean, how did you do it and how's it feel and how do you keep your feet on the ground? Again, it became by the visibility, authority and credibility. And I was consistent in because I was writing to my 30-year-old self, I was consistent in my style and approach. It was simple, it was consumable and usable. I was making leadership accessible to my 30-year-old self. And I think by doing that every day, over and over and over again, and I was doing it in a good way and a bad way, good in that it was consistent and helpful, and bad in that I wasn't pitching everybody with every bloody blog. And I think, you know, some people were getting the value and that encouraged people to share the content. And as I say, when you're producing that level of content, and again, I use a great tool called Social Jukebox, and I use that to pump out my contact every day. So I tweet 150 times a day. I put six blog posts, sorry, six posts on Facebook, six on LinkedIn. So I'm constantly producing that. You know, I am the Grand Canyon of branding. Just a little drop over and over and over and over again. I love how you say you use tools to support this. And obviously you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you do have a jokingly say sort of a real job in terms of, you know, you're doing other work. Now that you have your system in place, right? Mm-hmm. How much time per day does it really take you to syndicate that content? No time at all. It's all fully automated. The 1500 blogs are in a jukebox and social jukebox just post a handful of those. I created leadership quotes. I I created videos. I created the most successful thing I did was like when I wrote for Inc. Magazine, they actually gave me some great insights into writing. And, you know, they talk about where to create listicles, you know, so 
five reasons why LeBron James will never play for Leeds United, those kind of things. And, and what's great is, here's another article, which is five things LeBron James needs to do to play for Leeds United. And that's the five reasons why LeBron James will never play. But then we're saying, and if he fixed that, he would play. So you, you constantly, you know, a lot of the content is similar but it's packaged differently so it comes across as different and you know the other things that got you to do so when I created all these listicles then what I did was I realized that I read a book by Colin Powell Colin Powell's 18 leadership secrets and the first chapter was a list of his 18 leadership secrets so you know one of them was if your people stop bringing you information if people stop bringing requests to you it's because either you're inept or you can't be bothered. And I thought, okay. And then I opened the next chapter, and it was a eight-page explanation of that. I thought, well, I got that from. Yeah, the first one. So, I, yeah. so, so I started creating these little graphics, which just five things to do to boost accountability, seven things that drive engagement, five ways to tell your team's not engaged. And I created, started creating little graphics. One of them last week had five hundred thousand views on the. Simple. People want people want simple, consumable information that they can take away and use. And we've all got that. And as I say, you might not be writing for me. You know, the higher up the tree we go, the more people that are below us. And even the lowest person on the totem has got people below them that they can write to. So we've all got valuable information. It's just about being persistent and consistent and knowing who you write it to, and then doing that repeatedly. And if you do that, you will build a brand. Jason, I think think Gordon's telling us we better get busy. (laughs) I think that's exactly. I've been taking copious notes here that we need to do a few (laughs) things to get going in there. I was brought in to do some coaching with one of the world's leading consultancies. Starts with A and ends in something censure and when we were doing it one of the people said to me i want to be known as a he was working in the rail he said i want to be known as a rail expert and i went well how are you going to do that and he said i don't know well i'll tell you you're going to put articles out about rail you're going to be talking about it and we started googling things and i can't remember what the i think it's high speed rail link i just found a graphic and it said the top 10 countries in the world spain is number two with ten thousand miles and china's number one was like eighty thousand. it's like <laughs> you think that's the way forward you think that's going to be a problem for us and i was like yeah so take that you don't have to be the creator of that content but you could take that graphic and then you could comment on it what are we going to do three things we could do to compete with the chinese and if we just got to be putting we just got to be putting that content out there and there's the world is, you know, content is king is one of the key phrases. And people tell me, oh, but I can't write. My English is terrible. Okay, let me fix that right now. Do you have Zoom? Yes, I do. Well, two things. You can use a tool called Otter.io, record into that, and it will do the blogging. You don't have to worry about grammar. Was that it's French? About- Otter.io. <laughs> oh, okay, I, I, I thought that was a little bit of French show working no, no, in the no, podcast. No, here. no, no. Otter.io. <laughs> I'll just put Zoom on and record yourself talking. It takes a 500-word blog takes two minutes. The world is consumed by video. Don't believe that? Go and look at the 
growth of TikTok over the past 12 months. So just go and create two-minute videos. Think of a topic and then just talk about, you know, three things I could do to boost the oil and gas industry. Jace, I've seen a couple of TikTok videos that you've made, by the way. But <laughs> Let's not talk about those. There's some dancing. <laughs> yeah, put, the, put them in the food notes. <laughs> no, but people love them. People love them, especially the younger people. And the younger people are the ones that are likely to share them. Make it fun. Make it interesting. Make it attempt. And we were talking about oil and gas industry and how does it change its perception? Because it's going through a tough time, you know, environment and then energy prices. But, you know, why are people creating videos telling me, you know, five reasons why cars will never be oil free? Yep. And what we see is we see a lot of negativity around, ooh, look, Teslas, the minerals needed to build Tesla batteries are eating up. Oh, yeah, that's what about isn't. You're never going to win that battle. So why not tell me what's good about it? What was the role of fuel and energy in putting man on a moon? There must be a thousand and one good news stories with, you know, energy. And you were telling us, Jason, about that, the plan to use gas to power, was it Seoul? Uh, Ho Chi Minh. Ho Chi Minh. Yeah, when it was relying yeah. on hydropower. And then, yeah, fantastic yeah. project. Be an advocate through good news stories. Tell people things they don't know about it rather than, you know, trying to use what about isn't because that yep. never worked. I was in a digital forum last week and two weeks ago in Switzerland, Luzerne was Slumbergy, and that was all we talked about it. They said, we're doing some great things in the industry to stop flaring, to reduce methane leaks, to use water better. Why don't we, when using digital, a lot of digital projects to do that, we need yeah. to get that out into the market, market it. That'll only not just give people an interest of what we're doing in the industry, but will attract the younger people coming through the ind- from university, et cetera, colleges of, okay, it's not a dirty industry. This is an industry that's really standing up and doing something. Clean energy. There you go. Absolutely. Clean energy. So I have a question for you. Who's the number one advocate for oil and gas in the world? Besides Jason Duff? Well, if you don't know, it could be you. It could be. There it you go. It could be you. <laughs> I just call, you know, you can just say Jason Duff, number one advert for yeah, advocate yeah. for oil and gas. For so clean I thought it was. Oil and gas shoes. Yeah. So does that mean LeBron James, Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> Gordon, Gordon Trade, Gordon, Jason Duff will see you on the list next? Absolutely. Absolutely. You'll get fed up of them calling you. Hey, Brian, before Corinne calls Gordon away, because I can even smell her cooking from here. And by the way, she's a fantastic cook. She's a fantastic cook, yeah. Do you want to wrap up, Brian, anything else you want to ask? Yeah, no, absolutely. I I want to thank Gordon for the time. I think it's great food for thought, right? I think oftentimes I think creating that kind of relevance and thought leadership may sound much more difficult or complex than it really is in the server. And I love the Accenture story, right, about helping someone sort of take the leap. And I think it's something that we all need to probably dedicate a little bit more time to in our lives. Go ahead, Gordon, what are you going to say? So I'll give you three tips, three simple tips if you want to start today. And that is you don't need to have your own blog. Every single person on LinkedIn has a blog associated with their LinkedIn account. You have already got followers and connections on LinkedIn. So just start blogging once a week, twice a week, once a day if you can, put it on LinkedIn. Then go and join groups in your industry or related and then share that article, not only in your feed, 
but within those groups. Just doing that will set you apart from other people in the oil and gas industry. And when you apply for jobs, people might have heard of you. Yeah, that's great. Create that brand. Be known as an expert in your field or the field that you want to be an expert in. And we can all do it. Just go and start on LinkedIn. If it's just sharing energy, good news stories, and then putting a two to three line comment. I once, I did a talk on Twitter to an author's convention, and I said, I did a tweet to be or not to be William Shakespeare. And somebody wrote, Gordon, I love your words. I thought, I even said (laughs) it was William Shakespeare. But because I shared it, I get the credit. So when you share articles and stats about it, and you can, you know, if you've got enough insight to say, you know, this is a great step forward, and I think we'll see more of these, or we should be doing this, that, and the other, you'll get credit for it because you are the source of that information. So even if you can't write, curate, and add a little bit of commentary. Be go. a content magnet. Gordon, very thank you very, very much. As ever, you, you and I haven't talked to you for a long time. I know we kind of slack, etc. but it's been great to get your input. I'm amazed still at it. <laughs> Me <because> too. <laughs> <laughs> of what you've done and what you've done on the, how you've transformed in the journey and I think reinventing yourself, which I think Brian was where we wanted to take this one. Sure. I wonder actually if we could get Gordon on with someone else, Brian yeah, going forward. I think we'd love to have Gordon back. I think this is a great topic we can expand upon. And Gordon, I think you summed it up great. It's a lot easier than it sounds. It's just about taking the action and getting going, right? Yeah. And remember, my English teacher said my English sucks. And yet I've written for Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur. And my book was a finalist for Management Book of the Year. Leonardo DiCaprio, LeBron James, Gordon (laughs) Treadgold. Uh, Did you see the bottom? Did you see the bottom name on that list? No, what was that one? Oprah Winfrey. She's about nine places below me. (laughs) Again, she's always calling me up. I've had to tell the wife to block her calls. (laughs) Hey, Gordon, thanks so much. And for our listeners, if you want want to know more, we'll have some more links and content in the show notes as usual. And thanks again. Yeah, and what I'll do is I will give you the link to the audio copy of Fast and people can download that and struggle with my accent as they're driving to work trying to figure out what I'm saying on that book. And you can translate for them now, Brian. (laughs) That's right, and just another way to push content out. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks so much, Gordon. Thank you, guys. Please keep keep, continuing to listen, give us some comments, and get involved in the show. Thanks again, Brian. See you guys on the other side. Thanks, God. Bye-bye, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Join us again next week on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.